I'm Megan Bob, and I'm here to understand the mysteries of vampires. And I'm Miles, and I'm here to help. With the aid of what is rapidly becoming one of my favorite TV shows, this is What the Next Wrestling Fan Does in the Shadows. A bonus episode made possible by our recent raffle to raise money for the campaigns to elect John Ossoff and Raphael Warnock to the United States Senate. At the request of winning contributor David Waters, we are talking about the first two episodes of What We Do in the Shadows, the horror mockumentary series that originally aired on FX and is currently streaming on Hulu. And personally, I think it's only fitting that this episode came about because of politics, because it is now time to take over the city council of podcasting. (laughs) (laughs) Oh man, I gotta go kill so many raccoons. Welcome to this special bonus episode of The Next Wrestling Fan, a podcast of fights and feels and fangs. Yeah! And thank you so much to those of you who donated to the Georgia Senate runoff campaigns and made this episode possible. Upon winning that raffle, David Waters specifically requested the second episode of What We Do in the Shadows, which is called City Council. Um, But since the episodes are only 20 minutes, we figured we might as well do the pilot as well, especially since the pilot does a lot of heavy lifting in terms of, like, introducing the characters and the rules of the show and, like, giving you the thing you would need to really get the most out of the second episode. But while these two episodes do absolutely stand on their own, there is some backstory surrounding the show as a whole that I thought it would be fun to get into. So this show... And actually, the entire weird shared universe franchise it's a part of uh, was originally created by Taika Waititi and Jemaine Clement. Perfect Uh, angels. If you're a fan of the MCU or just movies in general, you probably know Waititi, who directed Thor Ragnarok and also won an Academy Award for his 2019 film Jojo Rabbit, which if you haven't seen it, I cannot recommend it highly enough. It is amazing. Go watch Jojo Rabbit. Waititi is from New Zealand, and while attending university in Wellington, he became friends with fellow New Zealander Jemaine Clement. This would be like in the 90s. He and Clement at one point formed a comedy duo called The Humor Beasts, and were part of a five-man comedy troupe called So You're a Man, which also included Brett McKenzie. And McKenzie and Clement, of course, would later form the musical comedy duo Flight of the Concords. Uh, Watiti would write one episode of the Flight of the Concords TV show and direct two of them. So these guys go way back in the New Zealand comedy scene. They're also both of Maori descent, which makes what we do in the shadows the rare piece of popular media created basically entirely by indigenous people. Yeah. Uh, The franchise kicked off in 2005 with a short film called What We Do in the Shadows Interviews with Some Vampires. (laughs) (laughs) It was produced in the mockumentary format that the series has carried over the entire time, and it featured Waititi Clement and fellow New Zealand comedian Jonathan Brew as three vampires living in the modern era, specifically as flatmates in Wellington. Uh, The short was later adapted into a feature film in the form of 2014's What We Do in the Shadows, the movie, 
which is just extremely fucking hilarious and it's amazing. It currently has a 96% on Rotten Tomatoes, if you care about that kind of thing. I kind of think that's a little bit low. I know, right? Yeah, it's basically the same premise as the sh- as the short, um, with many scenes from the short actually translated directly to the film. Although the characters are different. Some of them have the same names, but even there, the characters are, are very different. Um, but again, the fundamental idea remained the same. These are vampires who are just trying to live their lives as people in the modern world, doing things like getting mad at their roommate for never doing the dishes, even though mm-hmm. the dishes are, you know, of course, covered in blood. Like, that's what the dishes are. <laughs> the 2014 movie was successful enough uh, that a TV spinoff was in order, but the one we're watching today actually wasn't the first TV spinoff. Uh, that honor oh. goes to something called Wellington Paranormal, oh. a show that began in 2018 and follows the two police officers from the movie <sighs> and currently has two six-episode seasons under its belt. Beautiful. The FX show What We Do in the Shadows started in 2019 and features an entirely new cast of vampires, this time located in Staten Island, New York. A sequel to the 2014 film featuring the werewolves from that movie has been rumored for several years, but it's not anybody's priority at this point. Yeah. Waititi's involvement in the TV spinoffs isn't huge. You know, he's kind of doing a lot of big shit right now. I don't know if yeah, you're he is. Um, he's just the executive producer on Wellington Paranormal, with most of the writing and directing work falling to Clement and Jackie Van Beek, who also played the familiar Jackie in the film. Waititi and Clement are both executive producers for the FX show, and Waititi has done some writing and directing for it, though Clement is more directly involved, and Van Beek is very involved in the FX show as well. Uh, The showrunner is Paul Sims, who is an American writer who has worked on Late Night with Dave Letterman. He's worked Mm -hmm. on the Larry Sanders show and Atlanta, and of course, Flight of the Concords. He was also the creator and head writer for a late 90s sitcom called News Radio, which I remember fondly. I don't think anybody else in the world remembers that show, but I remember, I remember a thing I, with that name existing. So I have seen the movie. I have seen uh, the entirety of the FX show and I've seen the uh, the original short. Um, Bob, have you just seen the movie before this? Yes, that is all I have seen. I went and watched some of his other films like I, I watched Hunt for the Wilder People. Um, mm. But I did not pursue other vampire related media. Although perhaps I should have. Yeah, I don't think I've seen any of his early stuff because I know he did. What was it Eagle versus Shark? I think is the name of his first movie. Yes. And there's another one that. called The Boy. I haven't seen that either. Thor Ragnarok is incredible. And uh, so obviously good. we love Flight of the Concords around these parts. So <laughs> a little bit later in this bonus episode, we're going to do the sights, sounds and feels of vampires. And then we will, at the end of the show, uh, have a cheap pop quiz. But before that, we're going to get Bob's thoughts on the first two episodes of What We Do in the Shadows. Here is Bob's Breakdown. For a little bit of context, I completely thought that it was going to be all the same characters. I looked at nothing before jumping into this and just thought, oh, they just recast. It's going to be the same people. And then was like, oh, oh, (laughs) this is really different, but in a good way. So episode one, night has fallen and it is time for Guillermo, local Staten Island vampire familiar to awaken his master. And Guillermo is so adorable and I love him. He's been a best friend slash slave for 10 years. (laughs) 
is he going to be rewarded by being turned into a vamp for his 10th year anniversary of being a familiar? Perhaps. So some broad stroke stuff. There are four vampires living in this house and they have received a letter. This is very important. Yeah. Nandor, a vampire from the Ottoman Empire. Nandor the Relentless was what he, I guess, was titled at that time. Yeah, because he never relents. Yes, exactly. His defining characteristic. And you know, kind of accurate. He is the kind of guy who insists on reading a letter in the library instead of in the hallway because, I don't know, for vampire reasons, because that's the kind of guy he is. Nadja and Laszlo also live in the house. They're a couple. I, I, I love them so much. Laszlo was turned by Nadja and their meet cute was her turning him. And also turning yeah. into a hideous monster in order to turn him. And it's beautiful. And I love that they're together. So they receive yes. this letter and it's from Baron Afanaz, who is coming to visit. So apparently this guy is a big deal. He's vampire royalty. I don't know how that He's works. He's played by Doug Jones. He is played by Doug Jones. That was so important to me. Um, <laughs> Baron Afanaz feels that vampires should run the world. These vampires seem to struggle with the basics of living together, like people leaving half-drained victims around, which is very unhygienic, Nandor insists. <laughs> and the solution is obviously to mark your victims with a Sharpie and the date so you know how recent they are. And I just want to say, it's all very well and good to have a plan, but a plan only works if you use it. Like, I do not put dates on stuff that I put in the freezer, even though I know I should. I'm looking at you, mystery pork chops. Baron Afanas has had separate affairs with both Nadja and Laszlo, and the other doesn't know about it, which I really love. And I'm also really excited <laughs> that there's bisexual vampirism because I there's not yes. enough of that. The vamps need to get some fresh virgins to stock the larder, as it were, because that's what you do whenever company is coming over. You know, you get Ritz crackers, you get a virgin, right. all the things. And then from the shadows, <laughs> Colin Robinson. And you have to say his full name every time because you have to. He's a psychic vampire, an energy vampire. So he drains people by talking to them. The evilest kind of vampire. And so he looks like an accountant, but there is the barest hint of feralness to him. And that mm -hmm. is everything. I cannot really describe. It's something in the eyes, something in the set of the brows that you're like, oh, he murders people, doesn't he? And indeed, yes. he sort of does. He certainly murders their heart and soul. The other kind is better in some ways, you know, just being drained of your blood. It's it's less horrible than being drained of your will to live in an office setting, I feel. All the vampires are like, no, no, we're not doing anything. Nothing going on here. And Colin Robinson is like, okay, sure, guys. Because he's the most deadly kind of affable. Guillermo heads to the nearest LARP group to find virgins. Okay. All right, that's not the worst idea. I, a part of me is like, how dare you? I have known some people who do a LARP, but also I was like, eh, I guess you're not wrong. <laughs> I mean, were they not versions? You know, I will say there was probably a higher proportion there than in groups that did not LARP. But I don't know yeah. that that's necessarily because I would think like the highest group you could ever get would probably be. Well, I don't know. I Maybe I'm making assumptions like a church youth group, but I can see for a vampire, that's a real challenge. You can't, there's too many crucifixes. 
Yeah, yeah, that'd be really difficult to do. I think that um, I think it's important to make a distinction between LARPing and something like the Society for Creative Anachronism, okay. which is like kind of LARPing, but for, for grownups, for not virgins, you know what I mean? I bet you, they fuck, but like yeah, crazy course, fuck. They absolutely fuck. They absolutely fuck. And they like do, if you ever been to a Ren Fair, like, that is one second away from being a fucking orgy. The people who meet up and they say we're doing live action like D&D or as is probably most common, at least when I was growing up in role playing uh, live action vampire, the masquerade. Yes, um, I remember those boys like those people. Come on. Like they're not. Mm-hmm. I, I was, you know, I was never really a LARPer, but I was definitely like ran with that crowd and none of us were fucking. Yeah, I was adjacent so, to that crowd and was like, we're all going to have to move on past this. That's right. Nadja, meanwhile, is also seeing another man, by which she means stalking a man that she thinks is her reincarnated ex-boyfriend who isn't decapitated anymore because that's how he died. So she's really excited about the fact that he has a head. Then they go to the docks to meet the box with Baron Afanas in it. They have to sign for the box. And in such a magnificent turn of events, vampires don't register on any devices with touchscreens. Is this going to be a recurring joke? Because it is such a good joke, Miles. It's such a good joke. One of the things I love the most about this show and the series is how closely it hues to like the really classic vampire mythologies. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? But like really brilliantly updates them for the modern world and like imagines how they would interfere in your everyday life if you had them. So like what we do in the shadows is so much about just the banality of day-to-day existence. I and love like it. your vampires, sure, all that means is there's some shit that like you have trouble with. You know what I mean? Like you can't <laughs> put your you can't sign on the pad. You just can't. You're the undead. It doesn't make you a monster necessarily, but it makes life harder. I do love that so much about it. So Nadja should be preparing for meeting the Baron, but instead she's off walking in the night with Jeff Suckler, possibly reincarnated right. ex-boyfriend. And it turns out Nadja kind of definitely decapitated the original Gregor, who is the person that Jeff Suckler looks like. Who is Jeff Suckler, though? Just a boring ass white guy, like not even a jock type, like the guy who hung out with the jocks, but was not himself a jock. And when you asked... <laughs> What was he into would say, oh, you know, TV and stuff. And you're like, are you a human? Like, can you relate to another person? And the answer in the case of these Jeff Sucklers is often no, no. We have all known one. Not really. So the vamps go up to the attic to meet Baron Afanas, and he's played by Doug Jones, who is weirdly always super erotic in his movements, even when he's a hideous monster, maybe especially when he's a hideous monster. But that might just be because he's flirting with Nadja and Laszlo and uh, Nandor. The vibe I get from him is maybe like he's maybe asexual. Like he's just not vibing off the sexual energy in the room. And it's just sort of annoyed that people are not appreciating his creepy paper, which is crepe paper. (laughs) That's right. So the Baron commands them to get to work on conquering Staten Island. And then he gets back into his coffin almost immediately to slumber. I was like, that was a very short appearance from Doug Jones. I hope we yeah. we get more Doug Jones. Do we get more Doug Jones later? Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Okay. So these vamps are in a pickle because they've done nothing to conquer Staten Island. 
but at least they have these delicious virgins, right? But oh no, Colin <laughs> oh, no. Robinson has already talked them into unconsciousness, losing all of their delicious nutritional value. Curse you, Colin. Waititi said in an interview that uh, the term energy vampire he's heard like thrown around at parties. Like, mm. like somebody who's like not, you know, who just it takes so much energy to just be around them. Mm-hmm. And it's like, we've all known the type. I love that they're the most common vampires. <laughs> I love it so much. It makes me go, maybe they have taken over the world. Right? I don't know too many. I, I know a bare, bare few. But I mean, we all have our moments. Like, I can definitely be an energy vampire at times. And then I'm like, oh, I have oh, to stop. Absolutely. I can see people's eyes glazing over. And maybe they don't want to hear about everything about this ship. I mean, look, we do a <laughs> wrestling podcast, Bob. <laughs> well, <laughs> Maybe the evening isn't a total bust. Nandor is going to reward Guillermo with a glitter portrait of Guillermo and Nandor. <laughs> oh, it's it's real bad. But the cracks are showing and Guillermo plays meaningfully with the curtain, blocking out the sunlight as he tucks Nandor in. And I cannot wait for this foreshadowing to pay off. I don't know what it's going to look like. But I am so excited about it. And I love that starting off with that, like, oh, there's cracks already. You absolutely should be excited for how that's going to pay off. Incidentally. Yes. Episode two. They're all walking to the LARP meeting to get those delicious virgins from earlier. Nadja has feelings about Gen Elf, who is being ignored yes. by all the other LARPers. Uh, Gen Elf is one of the few uh, women LARPers in the group. I am so excited about this sophic vampire energy and it comes back in a big way and it's beautiful. Yeah. The vampires are like, what? We have to conquer the new world? Which the Baron did instruct them to do, but he only gives orders when his partner is climaxing. I love the Baron so much. Like this mild (laughs) sexual villainy where he's just like, yeah, it sucks, but also it's just like me being a jerk. And I'm like, ah, this is amazing. That's not even the most important part, Bob. I don't know if you're waiting to talk about this. If you are, we can wait. But the fact that he doesn't even have genitals. I know. Which makes him, according to Nadja, an amazing lover. <sighs> and he kind of like spends all his time on you. And then Aww. he gives you orders and expects you to remember them as your climax. <laughs> I love it. It's so good. It's the kind of character that I would I would want to create, but could never dream up something quite that level of delicious. I don't want to say the Baron is my favorite. He's not, but he's real high up there. There's a lot about this series that is really crying out for fanfic. I would love a, a report, Bob, at some point as to how much what we do in the shadows fanfic exists. Oh, Miles, I have the AO3 open and will report shortly. Fuck yes. <laughs> So another vampire house meeting, a secret meeting, which is taking place in the fancy room. And you can tell that it's the fancy room because it has fringed lamps, which is the fanciest kind That's of right. lamp. They have to conquer the land. How are they going to do that? Colin Robinson is eavesdropping, but he has some answers. He knows a place where you can go to talk to quote unquote local leaders. Cut to all the vampires on a bus. Beautiful. Worth it just for that moment. Then they headed to a night meeting of the Staten Island City Council, Borough Council, something. I don't really understand New York. And it's zoning shit. This is Colin Robinson's jam. He is so excited. Colin Robinson is the kind of person who has memorized Robert's rules. He's a true monster. 
Nandor steps up to the podium and demands that the council turn over control to him. Barbara Lazaro, the most powerful member of the council, informs him that this is a zoning ordinance meeting. Oh, God. He's got to come back for an open session. Cue the political intrigue. Doug Peterson, council (laughs) member, is looking to unseat Barbara Lazaro. This calls for a two-pronged attack on both Doug Peterson and Barbara Lazaro. Unfortunately for the vampires, both of these prongs are dumb as shit. (laughs) Sidebar, political intrigue that is low stakes and carried out by idiots is one of my favorite things in the world. Like the only way I could have enjoyed this more is if it was trying to sabotage the local community theater board of directors by haunting the water fountains. Like (laughs) West Wing for morons is everything I love. You could see some of that in Garden Plots with Skeletor that I'm like, oh, what's a dumb thing people would have a meeting about? I love this so much. Cut to Nadja, who is now grooming Gen Elf to be a vampire. I good Good. Meanwhile, Laszlo has come to the house of an elected public official. They love that! He's here to warn Barbara that evil doings are afoot and also tell her that she's easy on the eyes. I (laughs) 1000% assumed that she was going to take him up on the offer and just like bang him like a screen door right then and there. (laughs) I I was like, oh, obviously this is where this is going. But no, it's apparently she thinks that he's kind of a nutcase and is like, okay, call my office so I can hook you up with the appropriate social services for whatever's going on with you. I feel like she was almost there. Like, I feel like if he had just, like, in the choose your own adventure, he he had almost gotten, he had gotten right to, like, the last choice where Mm. the one option lets you bang the lady, but he chose the other one. You know what I mean? Like, he just, like, made one mistake. Fell at the final hurdle. He tries to make it up. (laughs) She does mention that the raccoon population is out of control, and Laszlo is like, heck yeah, I can fix this. (laughs) So, cut back to Nadja, who is being the best agony aunt ever to Jenna. And then bites her and gives Jenna a drink of her blood, turning Jenna into a vampire or starting the process of vampirification. I'm so excited about this. Beanie Feldstein, the vampire, is everything this world needs. Nandor hypnotizes Doug Peterson to make him his thrall. And also, Laszlo has now killed an enormous pile of raccoons and left them on Barbara Lazaro's doorstep (laughs) as a gift. How did he kill them? Well, he pied pipered them and then slaughtered them. So That's right. back at the borough council meeting, Doug Peterson starts acting possessed and saying demonic stuff to Barbara about how they have to submit to their new masters. And then in a move any of us would have seen coming, which is why I love it so much. Security comes and wrestles him out of the building. And like the vampires are going, what? Why did that happen? That's very weird. So the council meeting is falling apart. Colin Robinson has this rictus grin on his face, enjoying every second of it. And Colin Robinson feeds with his mouth open in this like insane way that suggests <laughs> that he's just sucking energy out of the room in this way. But he has like such little blunt human teeth that you're going, this is just weird. <laughs> and then we cut to Jenna's dorm and she is very sick because you got to be an undead to be a vampire. So death is kind yep. of important to this whole thing. As she does some, heroic projectile vomiting and then looks at the camera like oh no that's not great i am so excited for her journey so excited well thank you so much for that breakdown bob uh judging by your enthusiasm i'm guessing uh you enjoy these episodes and uh i'm also guessing you will enjoy the next uh 18 or so that you have coming yes 
I'm so excited. It's a really fucking good show. Why don't we uh, talk about some more things we like about the episodes we watched uh, as we do the sights, sounds, and feels of vampires. So, Bob, for this episode, what did your wolf eyes see? Nice save. Good job. When we meet Laszlo and Nadja together in episode one, Laszlo is wearing an absurdly large collar, like one of those Elizabethan sort of collars that goes up behind you like a backstop. But it's the size of an end table. (laughs) (laughs) I am a mark for a certain kind of prop comedy, and it is almost always costume based. And I was like, yay, somebody asked the costume department to do something bananas. This is fantastic. Anytime somebody has to go and get something really weird, I just think about the conversation you get to have with that person and just going, no, no, I know you're thinking big. It needs to be significantly bigger than that. Like, you probably can't do it on a sewing machine. You're going to have to hand sew it because it will not fit. That's the level of insanity we're talking. I'm so happy. Just general shout out to the costuming in the show because it's real good. It feels character driven. And in such a fun way, every single scene. And they have a lot of costume changes, like more than I would tolerate as a director. I was like, no, three costumes for everybody. That is it. All right, Miles, what did your wolf eyes see? So you mentioned it at the end of your breakdown there, Bob. But just just that expression on Colin Robinson's face. (sighs) It's not the last time you'll see it. It's my favorite thing. I love the character. I love the Colin Robinson character so much. He's so normal that it, like, actively drains the life force from other people. That's how (laughs) boring and normal he is. So he doesn't seem like a vampire. He's also a daywalker, so he can go out during the day. You know, he just seems like a regular, normal person. And I think it's so important for, like, the horror element of the show, if nothing else. Also the comedy, but, like... It's so important for him to occasionally just get that look on his face when he's feeding. And you're like, oh, my God, this is a monster. (laughs) Yes, I feel like the show does such a great job of keeping the curtain drawn over most everything. And then occasionally just you get these little peeks through of like, oh, there are dire consequences to many of these things. All right, Bob. Well, For this episode, what did your bat ears hear? My bat ears heard Jenna say, This is college, and a beautiful older woman wants to take me on a sexual journey. I... (sighs) (laughs) Beanie Feldstein's delivery of that line is tremendous. It's a brilliant line. It is the kind of line I would say to myself (laughs) in a serious voice. And go, yes, this is a reasonable way to approach your life as though it is a narrative. If you haven't seen Booksmart, which is one of like Beanie Feldstein's kind of breakout things, you should. Because everything she does with comedy is always that good. But God, I just, I loved it so much. Miles, what did your bat ears hear? I always go back and forth on like which one of the characters in the show is my favorite. Mm. I can't really decide on just one. But I will say that um, in terms of the best lines and like what I would say the funniest delivery of their lines, Kaivan Novak as Nandor is Mm. just absolutely incredible. 
he's in the Waititi role, like sort of. Yes. It seems like from the uh, from the movie where he's the kind real of Viago, a, but where Viago was like a dandy, you know, and he has this like <laughs> kind of affected, high pitched voice. And like one of the reasons that Viago is so delightful is because he's so almost like innocent and childlike in a weird way. Nandor him. is like has that same quality of innocence, but he's like a murderer. <laughs> yes. Like he's, a, he was a warlord. I think he has that because he was so in his element before. And now he's really not like, he's not a warlord anymore. He has the best lines. I think Just especially in his relationship with, with being a vampire. So when he's doing the thing with Doug Peterson, Mm. Where he's gonna, you know, he's gonna make Doug Peterson my agent of chaos, you know. And, oh my god! And he's like, he hypnotizes him for like future direction, right? So he's like, Doug Peterson, I call out to you through the ether, Doug Peterson. And then Guillermo's like comes in. He's like, Did you call me? I was calling through the ether to Doug Peterson. If I need anything, I will call you, but not through the ether, just by regular yelling. <laughs> The script is so good. Oh, and my his God. delivery I is die. fucking tremendous. I die every time. He is. I really. I, I love all the actors in the show, but I yes. think he just does such an amazing job. And yeah, the writing is incredible. All right, Bob. What did your misty heart feel? Mm-hmm. I don't think this will come as a surprise to anybody. Laszlo saying, "I didn't come here to make friends." That's bullshit. That's exactly what I came here to do. I feel <laughs> a deep, deep connection with Laszlo. I identify with all the vamps, like even Colin Robinson a little bit. But when my yeah. anxiety is under control and I am totally in the moment, I am a Laszlo and just like, <laughs> no, this is I'm just going to roll in here and do this. And that's the right move for this moment. And he's like a dog in a vampire's body. And I love him so much. Yeah, he's great. He's really great. Miles, what did your misty heart feel? I had this whole depressing thing that I was going to talk about. Mm-hmm. About how, like, the vampires attempt to take over Staten Island by going to the local borough council and being told that they have to wait until the next meeting in two months to make their case. Like, mm-hmm. just reminded me so much of what it's like to try and change anything in the larger world around you when you're, oh, yeah. you know, I mean, especially in America, but like probably everywhere, oh, anywhere, you know, and for them, it's like, you know, vampires taking over Staten Island, whatever, but they're trying to enact greater change in their local area by interacting with the leadership structures. And it goes <laughs> extremely poorly. Well, they did murder a lot of raccoons. They did, but I I don't want to go out on a depressing note that way, especially on this episode, which, like, what happened because we were raising money for the Georgia runoffs, and, like, part of me is always, like, so cynical about that entire effort, and, like, oh my Mm. god, fucking Democrats, but you know what? I'm just not gonna go there. Not on this episode. I'm really happy that everybody pitched in to help, and I don't want to be cynical about politics on this particular episode, so I will say instead that uh, I just fucking love Guillermo so much. (sighs) And that continues through the entire show. He is a really incredible character. So much sympathy. I actually, Bob, you and I have both seen the actor before uh, in a single episode of The Good Place. Oh, I think he's a really good actor. And just again, I don't want to spoil anything, uh, Bob, as you continue watching the show. But 
lots of love for the character of Guillermo. If we were still doing Smash Fiction, I would be really pushing to have him in some kind of match because he's that Ooh. great. All right. Do you want to report on AO3? Yes, please tell me. Please tell me. Give me all the fanfic feels. Those were the sight, sounds, and feels of vampires. And now, Bob, give me the uh, the information. I need to know what's the okay. fanfic scene like for this show. All right, I'm going to go over my sort of basic temperature taking of it because I am entering into this sure. fandom for the very first time. So initial yeah. scan of the scene, 645 fanfics for a TV show. That's not too bad. Let's yeah. see what the ratings breakdown is. Oh, nah. okay. All right. So most of the fanfics are for teen audiences and up because they have a rating that is um, general audiences, teen and up, mature, and then explicit is the most right. extreme rating that you can have. And I'm very happy to see that it's 183 teen and up. Fine, whatever. Have that if you want it. And then 156 explicit and 141 mature. <laughs> People know what they come to their vampires for. And it is right. weird vampire fucking. So I was very happy about that. The predominant ships. Miles, do you want to take a guess? At 462 of the 645 mm. fanfics, what would you say is the ship that you were like, oh, that makes sense. People would write about that. I'm going to say Nandor and Laszlo. No, there are 15 Laszlo and Nandor really? fics. Yes. Really? I'm shocked. Okay, is it is it Laszlo and, and uh, Nadja? No, there are 105 Laszlo and Nadja, and then that is the second highest. It goes from 462 down to 105 is the next highest pairing. So what's the highest one? It is Guillermo and Nandor. Oh, that makes sense. I know that when you hear it, you're sense. like, oh, of course, <laughs> of course, people want that sort of like weird, twisted yeah, payoff that's... relationship. Yes, that is a, that is absolutely what you would find on AO3. I am dumb for not coming up with that. <laughs> I'm going to do a quick check for additional tags and see if I get any good juicy ones, because I want to see if there's anything weird. Mm. Okay, nothing too weird. The most common tag is fluff. And I think that makes total sense for this. I was wondering if there was going to be something really bizarre. But no, there's also um, a not insignificant quantity of crackfic, which crackfic is just like, it's so weird and off the wall that it doesn't really make any sense. But it's like, I took these characters and I decided, you know, what if they were running a surf school, but also, you know, they were all teenagers and also, you know, none of them were vampires, but they're still the same characters. And like, that's the kind of stuff. Actually, that's not really crazy enough, but that kind of thing. Also, they're all raccoons now. That kind of thing. <laughs> I am going to see what the highest bookmarked fanfic is. <gasps> oh, my God. It's just a fanfic about Guillermo and Nandor called Baby Steps and about, like, becoming a slightly better person. And in my heart, my heart so yeah. much that checks up that checks up all right bob it's been fun talking about what we do in the shadows with you i do have one last thing for you before we go yes because we're gonna do the cheap pop quiz yes now i in coming up with this cheap pop quiz i had to keep two things in mind firstly obviously we we're gonna learn the answers 
right here and now, like you did for the uh, most recent bonus Ice Planet Barbarians episode, because we're not going to be following up on this anywhere. And so with that in mind, I needed to be able to I needed to write this in a way that didn't contain any spoilers, um, Mm -hmm. which made it pretty hard to talk about the plot or the themes, really, in a lot of ways. So instead, the cheap pop quiz focuses on uh, what familiar faces you might be in store for (gasps) uh, in your journey through what we do in the shadows. Yay! Question number one is uh, the one that probably we should be most invested in, hence why it appears first. Question number one, which pro wrestler appears in a later episode of what we do in the shadows? Oh, yeah. Is it A, John Cena? Oh, God. B, The Rock? (laughs) C, Dave Batista? D, Becky Lynch? Or E, Connor O'Brien and Rick Victor? Oh, it's never going to be Connor O'Brien and Rick Victor, (laughs) although the budget for the show suggests to me that that might be a wise choice (laughs) unless somebody is doing it for freebies. Like, guys, we have our own costumes and everything. I know. I can't see the world in which anybody can afford The Rock or Dave Bautista. Both of them are doing Disney and Marvel stuff. So... I'm going to say John Cena just because I really want to see John Cena as a vampire. Man, I would love that. I wish that were true. I wish you were (laughs) right about that, Bob. Unfortunately, you are incorrect. The answer is actually C, Dave Bautista. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah. This show does not fuck around in terms of getting guest stars, as you will see momentarily. Oh, wow. Question number two. That same episode, the one with Bautista, also features a vampire council made up of prominent actors who have played vampires in ah! other movies and TV. Oh my god, I'm so excited. I can, Miles can see my face. I'm so excited. Strongly implying that most, if not all, vampire stories take place in the same universe. Oh my god, my so face. Bob, which of the following actors does not guest star in that episode? Is it A, Tilda Swinton, mm-hmm. who played a vampire in... Uh, only Lovers Left Alive? Only Lovers Left Alive, that's right. B, Evan Rachel Wood, uh, who was in True Blood. No. C, Wesley Snipes, obviously the star of the Blade franchise. D, Kiefer Sutherland, uh, <laughs> doing his thing from The Lost Boys. Or E, Taika Waititi, Jemaine Clement, and Jonathan Brew reprising their roles from the What We Do in the Shadows film. Oh my god. I'm going to say probably Tilda Swinton. That's just me using my reason there instead of, but I want Tilda Swinton to be there. Well, well, you're in luck because she is. (gasps) What? Absolutely. Uh, The correct answer was Kiefer Sutherland. Apparently he he turned them down when they tried to get him to come on the show. Oh, come on, Kiefer Sutherland. Yeah, seriously. Your Uh, father Donald would have done it. I didn't even spoil all the cameos in that episode, by the way. There's more that I didn't mention. And question number three, uh, finishing off, still talking about guest appearances, which Star Wars actor was so vocal online about his love for the show that he ended up making a guest appearance in season two? Is it A, Mark Hamill, B, Harrison Ford, C, John Boyega, D, Ewan McGregor, or E, Samuel L. Jackson? Oh my God. All of these are good answers. Yeah. I don't think... 
Harrison Ford has ever been vocal about anything online. I don't think he goes on the internets. That's fair. The only person I know who, or the only two I know have a lot of internet is Mark Hamill and John Boyega. And I just want to see John Boyega as the world's like most lovable vampire. So Mm. I'm going to say that. Oh, close, but no cigar, Bob. It was indeed mm. Mark Hamill. Ah, okay. All right. This yeah. is also a good answer. I'm also excited about this. Yeah, he has a uh, he has a pretty big role in an episode uh, in season two, which is extremely good. Just overall, it's a very Laszlo focused episode. So, yay. Um, anyway, yeah, that was the cheap pop quiz, Bob. Uh, no answers correct on that one. But you know what? I, <laughs> I feel like you still feel like a winner now that you know what oh. you've got in store for you. God, I feel like a winner. I feel like the world's biggest winner. This is amazing. Is there anything else you want to say about uh, these two episodes and this show in general or anything else that we've talked about before we go? I want to say thank you to David Waters for suggesting this show. I am not a person who watches a lot of new stuff very often. Smash Fiction was kind of the forcible introduction to much of pop culture that drove a lot of what I would consume. And then I would go, Oh, I guess I will finish my hero academia because I liked it. And like, that would be how I would find out about stuff, but left to my own devices. I will just watch like, Oh, I will watch two hours of wrestling and then read a romance novel. And that is it. And like, (laughs) that's not necessarily the most enriching way to live your life. But, you know, it's 2020 and I don't necessarily feel like having new things thrown at me all the time. Lord knows, you know, you wake up in the morning and you're like, this is already too new. I don't like this. So I definitely would not have done this without this push. And this this show is such a gift. And so I am deeply, deeply grateful to that. So thank you so much, David. This is amazing. When I saw that David had suggested this, I was really excited because I had just like Sharon and I had just finished binging it when (sighs) when this came through. So, yeah, I'm just really excited to talk about what we do in the shadows because I love it. I also want to just say that we're very cognizant of the fact that politics is not a, you know, wins guaranteed situation. Like we don't know what's going to happen with Georgia and, you know, eventually we will know. But I want to say that you don't do things that are right and saying like, okay, well, it's only worked if we did it and we won. I have been doing work with showing up for racial justice. Surge is the name of the organization usually. And one of the things that they talk about is how everything we do redefines what is possible in the future. And so it's not necessarily about, well, we got the big win. It's about, well, what are you setting up for the future? And so win or lose, we have redefined what is possible in the future and we have to keep working towards that. That is more important than anything else. And so I would like us, you know, to come out of Georgia winning, But if we don't, we have still redefined radically what is possible in the South. The face of the South is changing rapidly. And I want to see progressive causes take the lead down there. And for us not to ever say again, oh, the South is a lost cause. It belongs to the racists. And like, no, there's lots of people of color in the South. There's lots of, you know, LGBTQ plus people in the South. They deserve to be heard and valued. And so... This is challenging a decades old narrative. And that in in and of itself is an enormous victory that I don't think we could have dreamed of even 10 years ago. We wouldn't have looked at Georgia and gone, that's going to turn blue. 
And so I just want to say, no matter what happens, we have changed what is possible and we will keep changing what is possible. I think that's a really beautiful sentiment and a really great way to put it. I I don't have much to follow up on that. I, I just want to say that getting two Democrats elected to the Senate and getting it so that the Senate has a, not a majority, but a tie that the Democratic vice president will be able to break. You say it and it sounds like such a nothing burger in some ways. Like it's mm-hmm. like, it just seems so inconsequential in a lot of ways. And I think that it's important to consider what it's like for the people who actually live there. Yes. To have this kind of leadership, as you mentioned, Bob. And I think it's important to consider the fact that just because yes, democratic politicians are probably not the long-term answer to any of our problems. And like, yes, there's so much more work to be done beyond this. You know, this is a a drop in the bucket in terms of actually creating meaningful change. Mm -hmm. But just because that's true, you can keep that truth in your mind and still just do this little thing. It's like it's like voting. You know what I mean? I mean, we're talking about voting, but it's like people are like, oh, I don't vote because I don't think it's going to change anything. Well, even if it doesn't, you can still fucking vote. It's not (laughs) like it takes too much time out of your fucking day. (laughs) <laughs> you know, like, just go do it like and then, and then forget about it if you want to. But like, just because it's not going to solve the bigger problems doesn't mean it's not worth doing on a smaller level, on a local level. And just like, just let's try to make some things like marginally less shitty because we can. Yeah, right? because we have that ability to to do that. And um, yeah, and, and no matter how this goes, I am very, very encouraged uh, in many ways by the fact that this is even a conversation. So isn't um, it extraordinary to be living in a time in which we're talking about parts of the South as like flippable at all? Yeah. I mean, Arizona, you know, where Jeez. I live, it's it's crazy that it went not just Biden, but Mark Kelly and and freaking marijuana legalization. And like I know everything. you guys so, beat us. Yeah, I know. I know. It's all right. Come on up. We'll, we'll, we'll go. Uh, <laughs> I'll, be, anyway. I'll be right over. All right. Well, thank you so much for for that. And thank you so much to everybody for giving to that cause. Um, Thanks to David again for selecting this uh, material for our bonus episode. And um, thank you for listening. And we will see you uh, next time for our regularly scheduled content here on The Next Wrestling Fan. Thank you listening to this for being a force for good in the world. It means a lot. Bye. The Next Wrestling Fan is produced by Miles Schneiderman and Megan Bob, with logo design by Claire Mulcairin. Special thanks to Rafael Medina for our theme song, Learn Buckle. You can follow his creative work on Twitter at EarthMofo. Also thanks to Kevin McLeod for additional music and stingers, which are licensed under Creative Commons. Find his work at www.incompetech.com. We're on Twitter and Facebook as the NXT Wrestling Fan. Come talk to us. You can also follow Miles on Twitter at MJ Schneiderman and Megan Bob at Megan Bobness. The NXT Wrestling Fan is made possible thanks to our supporters on Patreon. If you'd like to help us out, go to patreon.com slash NXT Wrestling Fan and join our fantastic stable of contributors. 
They're the best. And if you enjoy the show, please subscribe and review wherever you get your podcasts. And if you have any questions, comments, or suggestions, feel free to email us at nxtwrestlingfan at gmail.com. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you in two weeks. I think everybody who does a wrestling podcast is by definition an energy vampire. Yeah, that's probably true. I mean, I'd say in the podcast community, there's a a non-zero chance that any given podcaster you meet has a little bit of energy vampire in them. Yeah, absolutely. Just a little. I'm going to do all this work, just so much work, because I think you need to listen to my voice. I'm sorry. Oh, (laughs) it's so true.